Attention students, the Jabroni University Network is now in session. Please make your way to class. this week is uh, a beacon of positivity and hope from uh, from my youth uh, as it pertains to punk rock and hardcore as a part of seminal bands like Endpoint by the Grace of God and Black Cross. He carved a path uh, in music and as, particularly in my personal life, which we'll get into. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rob Pennington to Why Did We Ever Meet? How are you, Rob? I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, good, good. You, you laughed at the beacon of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes to, you know, be flattered, I guess. <laughs> no, it's, it's very kind. I, I try to be positive as much as possible. So, and I, like I said, got a lot of good people around me that for some reason draw that energy out of me. So, um, I, I, I have to tell you, um, so I'm just going to launch into this. When I was a teenager, sure. when I was a teenager, I was uh, I'm 41 now. Um, when I was a teenager, uh, pretty standard kid, you know, Midwest kid. Uh, but I, um, I got into punk rock and hardcore and and all of that stuff, and it was very important to me. It was a huge part of my life, and you know, my parents went to church. We were involved in youth group, and I look back now. I just I realized this a couple of years ago. By the grace of God, while growing up in this youth group culture, your band had a profound effect on how my views would change a few years out of high school. Um, I like the your record perspective really uh, informed the changes in my views uh, uh, on religion, on society, on on politics, and uh, it's a pretty that's a pretty important album in my life and how I view the world and how I'm raising my children. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was a good, um, it's, really important. it's an important record in my life. You know, I, at, at this point I've been in several bands and put out mm-hmm. lots of different records and perspective still stands as one of the, um, one of my favorites, I, you know, there, there's, there's something to, I mean, definitely there's a political slant to a lot of the songs, but it's also, I don't know, deeply personal. You know, we mm-hmm. came out the gate with by the grace of God, like wanting to like, you know, speak to all these issues really quickly. And then we kind of settled into perspective, which had a little bit more of a, I don't know, it was a little bit more of an emotional tone for me. And uh, I really love that album. We, we still, you know, we still play every now and then, Mm-hmm. And I always enjoy playing a lot of those songs, "Boy in the River" and yeah. "Cole." And I mean, it's it, it's it's definitely a, a, a fun record to play, and I still get the get the feels when I play some of those songs. So I let, I'm I'm glad to know that because I uh, when the the reissues came out, I instantly nabbed them up, and uh, the the foldouts for "I Will Not Bow Down" 
Uh, and uh, I just, I forgot how, how damn powerful that is. And I showed my son, he's 14 and he read it and like was shaking his head. Like it registers and yeah. uh, like, uh, you know, it, that, that there's so much urgency to what you did. All the music you've been a part of has a lot of urgency to it. So what's where, where's your starting point? How, how, where's the tipping off point for you with punk rock and, and hardcore and just underground music in general? How'd you get there? Um, you know, my story again, is not different. I think than many people of my age, you know, there was, um, I was looking for something, right? There were, um, I had a great mentor, this guy, Myron Hardesty, who's now like a clinical herbalist, like still a big music fan, a couple yeah. of years older than I was. He was a paper boy with a mohawk. Uh, <laughs> I was, there was a lot of changes going on in my life and my family structure and things were happening. And I was just, um, I don't know, I was feeling the whole pressure, uh, social pressures of the 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess there are, there's, those are always ubiquitous. Uh, but, you know, I, I started questioning things really early. Uh, and music and punk rock kind of fit that. And suddenly I, from a kid that was bullied a lot in and, and middle school, um, I found this other group of, people where you know there was like five of us in each high school it wasn't like you know back at those times you'd see somebody and be like oh that's one of my people i need to go yeah them, right yep and so that sense of community kind of came together and just really i don't know lifted me up gave me an uh gave me an outlet um to do new things yeah. skateboard play music to have a voice you know which mm-hmm. i didn't feel that i had as a young person so i think that was maybe really important to me uh and it was just super cool yeah, you know, it was yeah. really fun uh, to to hang out. I mean, this is silly, but I remember like just hanging out with these like you know older dudes with leather jackets, and yeah, you know, sending all the kids in high school like, whoa, you know, like that, don't mess with little little Robbie Pennington anymore. It's like <laughs> he hangs out with those punker kids. He's one of them, and uh, I don't know. And I found Duncan, and he's just other wonderful yeah. dudes, and my and uh found straight edge sure and uh sure. It, yeah it was just uh, it was just a perfect vehicle and it fit you know it, it, it was just a great fit for me i needed it mm-hmm. uh and uh, and uh, was was deeply connected you know it's funny it's like i'm not really i've never really been a musician i mean you can tell by listening to me sing uh <laughs> but the, but the point is is like i don't you know i've never really enjoyed recording or having records out, like I still really love playing shows. Mm-hmm. I like jumping around and practice. I like connecting to people, mm-hmm. um, and so that part of the, the energy that is that is within the, these small communities is just, um, I don't know, it's great fuel, and it's, I find it very reinforcing. So yes, you know, I I don't know, and then I, and then again, they gives you an opportunities to connect with other people. You know, I think Endpoint and especially and then by the grace of god i think that people i don't know i think i think i wanted to do right by people so people connected with us and it was a great opportunity to you know to share struggles and mm-hmm. I, I don't know to be a part of something bigger than who i my little high school self i think yeah yeah and that's um you mentioned endpoint and that's a great that's 
uh, I'm glad you did because it's, there's, that's one of the first things I remember when I, when I discovered, oh my God, look at this scene in Louisville, Kentucky. And end point was, I think for a lot of people in my generation, that's a, that's a definitely an entryway. Um, And there were, I, I don't know what was going on down there, but holy cow, did a lot of good music come out of, out of, uh, out of Louisville at that point in time. I mean, did you guys, did it, I, I feel like every time I, I ask people this, they, most oftentimes they say, no, we didn't know it was happening until afterwards. Did you guys feel anything kinetic going on? Or was it just, we're living in this moment, we're, we're starting these bands, we're all hanging out, booking shows. Could you feel something electric in it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we planned for it or... Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we knew it was very special. I mean, we didn't see things like this in other other towns. Um, right. I mean, and, and there was something, again, coming from a non-musician side of it. Um, I mean, there definitely kind of was maybe a Louisville sound. I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of Louisville sounds. But there's kind of a weirdness or a... Um, maybe non-conforming side. I agree. Well, it sounds kind of silly to music bands. So it's like, you know, Endpoint, we were this hardcore band, but we were also like, I mean, obnoxious run, you know, run around half naked half the time, like right. want to talk about heavily emotional issues and like a, a scene that was like, you know, very like still at that time was kind of violent and like, ah, you know, like, mm-hmm. Uh, by the grace of God, same thing. It's like we didn't. Our music didn't sound unique, I don't think. But you know, but we wanted to do this thing. I mean, there is a sound, and Duncan yeah, has a yeah. guitar sound, and I have this kind of high yelpy. I don't know, but like we wanted to do our own version at that time of what straight edge political hardcore was. Right? Sure. We were everything was changing around us. Uh, there was a lot more far swing to the right of whatever that is in terms of like conservative, hardcore, straight edge, you know, this yeah. like, I'm going to bully you into a certain position. And we want, we were interested in doing something different. I mean, if you look at other bands like Rodan and Slint and other bands from Louisville, mm-hmm. they kind of did their own thing too. Like, yeah. Yeah. You see what they're, from where their music came, the roots of that, but they kind of did their own. They didn't, uh, they did things their way or they applied their, their, their music that way. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, and then we felt it. We felt it was special. We were proud of Louisville. We we were almost a little bit uh, had a little chip on our shoulders because we weren't from the East Coast, you know, or we weren't from the West Coast. We were from Kentucky, right? right? And so we were so proud. We'd had the show, be like a thousand people there. We just be like, yes, yeah. Uh, and we, you know, and it, we were so so connected. There were so many people. Uh, and especially as, as bands started growing, it's like people that you didn't know would suddenly be like, Hey, you know, and come talk yeah. to you. And it was just like, it was just this wonderful time that late eighties, early nineties, uh, in Louisville to be, to be a part of that Louisville scene. Yeah. And, and I, I do think, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of Louisville, because there's, there are so many different types of bands that came from that scene. Mm-hmm. They were all different, you know, different subsects of punk rock, but there was this energy to it that it's like, it doesn't sound like Boston. It doesn't sound like Seattle. It had, and, and I think of, I, I mean, 
like you said, Rodan, Slint, By the Grace of God, Endpoint, Elliot, all these bands sounded much different than their peers. And I, I think that chip on, on the shoulder was, was a, uh, was a benefit to, to what you guys were doing because from the audience perspective, uh, like that's what drew me to by the grace of God was, you know, first it's like, Oh, it's guys. It's, Oh, it's endpoint guys. Cool. Then you hear like, uh, like urgency is what I always think of when I think of by the grace of God, it felt and sounded urgent. There was, there was melody, uh, in the songwriting and your voice, I think is one of the most unique voices to come out of that generation of bands. It's a nice way to say it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I'm going to say I'll, I'll, what I do think, and I, this just came to me. I think that the, all the Louisville bands were okay. Being, being vulnerable, right. They were all able, they were all really so in a time when there were, I mean, there were, there were lots of wonderful bands, but there was also a, like people in these sects of music that were like, I do it this way. And I, yeah. what you'll think about like Jeff Mueller, Duncan, Chris, Hig, all these people, like no one was scared to basically open themselves up on stage. Right. It wasn't yeah. all about the music. And that, that was very, I think was a very essential part of, I mean, even, you know, Brett and those are weirdo slint brothers and sisters, you know, they, yes. it's like they still were able to be vulnerable uh, and, 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 and express that and people connected with that. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that's, I know it's all right. I got cats, sorry. Dogs, dogs, cat, we got two yep. cats, three yep. dogs, <laughs> dogs on a walk with my wife and daughter, but the cats are going crazy. Nothing like a good cat, butt. that's a right. Podcast. <laughs> um, I, how did Endpoint come to be? Uh, was yeah. that, did that form out of, form out of just like, we're friends, let's start a band? Or uh, was it um, intentional? It, like, well, uh, Duncan, Duncan has always has the, the, an ironclad memory for these types of details, <laughs> but we were, but we were doing different bands. So okay. we were already playing in, in bands as, as little guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duncan was doing bands, uh, um, the, the imposters and then he was in uh uh crisis which was okay yeah big big band at that time yeah they didn't record anything but they were just like you know yep. uh and lead pennies he played in that for a little bit uh anyway and so they and i was in a band called fist mm-hmm. which was terrible uh and <laughs> and i forget he and Jason Graff, who was one of Duncan's good friends, who was in my play bass for Fist, they were doing a new band. And I think Jason said, hey, we should get Rob to sing. And so I came and tried out, you know, like 15 or 16. And my 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 uncle rented me a keyboard amp to sing through, and I brought it. And, That's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, and we were originally called Death Watch. Okay. Yeah, so there was actually a seven inch, uh, a Death Watch Crane seven inch, and so oh. we were Death Watch until about eighty seven, mm-hmm. uh, and then we no maybe eighty eight. I think we got together in eighty seven, eighty eight, and then we switched to Endpoint. Okay, okay, and that's where and that, that's where it sort of starts to. It, it, it's yeah. almost like with the name came. Yeah, I mean, we were all into like all sorts of music, but we were, yeah. you know, influenced by the the 
coast straight edge bands so and point you know and duncan looked in his geometry book and was like and point. Oh, yeah we, and i came up Perfect. with some phrase about a little phrase about it and i was like all right that's what we'll be and then uh, and there was some you know switch around so so rusty Soam left the band he was an early endpoint then it switched to lee fetzer which okay. took us through in time of hate and catharsis and then we got uh kyle crabtree as we just kind of kept developing yeah and yeah going that way uh there there was connection to my area because of doghouse records yeah so, Dirk. yeah so uh there was i i think there's definitely a uh a section of of punk and hardcore kids from my generation that are huge fans of louisville just based on that connection with with doghouse so how how did all of that come to be how did how did that all start for you guys where did that connection start you know i absolutely do not remember that's one question people do not ask me so i remember the guy a majority of one guys yeah ali and dirk they would come down they had their move uh letterman jackets on and they'd come to shows yep uh and you know the first record was on uh, convergent uh, conversion with uh, 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 oh my god. Anyway, I'll remember it in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, oh, the, Dennis, sorry, Dennis Ramsey. I, I I couldn't let that go. He's such a sweet person. <laughs> um, uh, so Dennis, and then you know I can't remember how we made the switch, but yeah, they were. I mean, we wouldn't have gotten. You know, we wouldn't have had any of the the national access. I mean, and Tom the Hate like got us out there. I think yeah. conversion and stuff, but uh, it really our work with Doghouse was just really propelled us forward and gave us more opportunities to tour and right. and um, yeah, and those guys were awesome. I mean, Joe Transcend. Like that was the whole the whole Ohio crew. Yeah, there was like there were there were towns there were endpoint towns. So unfortunately Toledo, because I mean we knew everybody from Toledo, but you right. guys went ev- you went everywhere else. But I think that we always that we had like uh, Columbus was a big sure friends for us. Yep, Indianapolis, Detroit. Like we would all kind of go to these different play in these towns regionally right. a lot. Uh, and so, yeah, and you know how it was back then. It's like, oh, everybody would just drive four hours to. <laughs> it's like, which is crazy. Nobody does any. Nobody drives to the grocery store anymore. I mean, right. well, nobody will walk to a grocery store. And so, but to drive four hours to see a band play that you saw a month ago, like it was really amazing, really yeah. fun connection. And Dirk, Dirk went with us on our first uh, European tour. My God, so, yeah. how was that? How is that going from? You're these kids from Louisville and, and touring, like, because you were, I mean, you're not doing the rock star tours. You're doing the, the punk rock version of touring. How, what is that like? What is the, that, that first time out there has to be the most insane feeling because we can't imagine traveling without technology. Now I, th- I don't think right. people process that. And I think of the bands from that generation that were getting in a van <laughs> with a map in the ear. It, it's exactly like you know you read get in the van or something yeah I mean, it's like i mean you're just like i don't know what the hell i'm doing yeah. let's look at this map 
you're going to turn left at, you know, you're in this town, you're going to find the yellow building and the sign turn right on this street. Like, and you hope somebody's there. And sometimes they would, <laughs> you'd be a tour and 25% of the shows, they wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, they weren't, you have to call to make sure they're still happening. It's not like they're posted online. You can't. Right. So it was, it was such an adventure. I mean, it was a different, I, I never, I never played the old guys. Like it was so much better or different yeah. back then. Yeah. But I mean, it technically was different and it felt, it felt much, it felt risky. It felt scary. Like, oh my God, my parents are going to kill me if I don't come back. You know, like, (laughs) mom, can I please go on to the first, first time we ever went on the road, Duncan's dad with, with us. Cause I was 17. My parents were like, no, you can't go on tour. So we like went to, we played like three shows, I think like Cleveland and uh, we drove to Washington DC and the show got canceled. Uh, And so it was like, and then I think our second tour was down. We went to the Southeast and we played like, um, I remember we played Florida. We played Tampa and that's where we first met a veil. And we were uh, all, both of us are getting ready to throw down with some Nazi skinheads down nice. there. And then Boy, Florida hasn't changed at all. <laughs> no, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, I mean, there's still wonderful people in Florida, but they're, they're also meeting this guy. It's like, I'm a straight edge Nazi. I'm like, what? He's like, you know, kind of like a slap shot. Like, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, and then, yeah. So we had this terrible old van that leaked carbon monoxide <laughs> of course so at one point yeah. we started like we had to pull over like you're lucky you're alive because we were just like why can't we stay awake what's happening oh. um and then the first time we went to europe i mean just imagine again a middle my mom worked at sears my dad was a school teacher who quit to um uh, start a, a fishing tackle company <laughs> and here i am getting to go to like you know, a whole nother country and yeah. experience these things. And so yeah. it was really powerful. I mean, as much as like it, people always are so sweet and kind about music that we've done, but you know, that seemed like I'm a different person, you know, to, to be raised in Kentucky and yeah. not to come from, I mean, my family worked really hard and had resources, but not from a, you know, we wouldn't be going on any sort of European tour. Uh, but sure. my exposure to people in other countries, other coasts, people from larger cities really changed who I am and, 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 and really gave me, um, a much greater perspective that I think I carry on in my work today. And I think that's, I mean, it, 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 it was such a, it's such a gift to have somehow found the scene somehow gotten in a band right somehow somebody cares enough to put your record out right you know and like and and still be, keep doing that. i turned 50 in a couple of weeks and it's like holy crap how that you know that's <laughs> insane but to go to europe was nuts i mean it was I, like the first first time now it's you know again same technology none hardly yep right yep. in 92 and we are miserable and cold and our band keeps breaking down and i mean we did a couple of shows with uh, uh murphy's law and some of our bandmates like chad cast that are our guitar player was absolutely insane and so i, I mean funny but insane but he yeah, would yeah. you know do things like <laughs> shit on a towel and put it outside the front door of murphy's law they I remember this, this, the owner of the hotel, like runs in and she's like, you nasty boys and throws us out. You know, I'm half asleep. I'm like, what happened? And then Chad's like, 
the door opens. She kicks the door open, and not kick it open, but opens it. We're in there, and Chad is turned around, urinating out a window. Oh, you know, uh, like it's just like oh my, like just just a hot mess. Uh, yeah, touring. And you're and young, then now, you're and young, right? Like you're young guys out, you know, on the other in another part of the world, just you know. Young young boys being you know are gonna act like fucking idiots like we all yeah. did. <laughs> well, I was and I was in a dark place that time. I remember I was depressed and like sure. it was just a, it was terrible. But yeah. it was I mean it was fun. It, I mean it was a great experience. Now, by the grace of God, touring was different. Things had come along. Yeah, uh, and then we too. I mean we did a tour what 2018, um, and went back there and got to go to like Bulgaria and Romania and Serbia and all these really cool places. Yeah. Um, I love, I, I mean, I love all touring, at least up to a point, but I really, um, but, but, go, but Europe is still just absolutely fun and people are kind there. And I, and I actually, yeah, I like it cause it's different, but I still enjoy sure. touring here too. It's just fun going to a show, even if there's like 10 people there. Yeah. It's like, and now, now because I have a job and I'm a grown up, like if, Something happens. It's like I, I can. I've got gas money. I can, you, know, <laughs> you can get to where I'm you going need to, to be. Hotel, I'm going to a hotel. You know, if, <laughs> if, if it has to be, we're okay. We'll yes. survive. Yeah. Um, the, that's uh, and then you know, with by the grace of God, uh, that just the way you guys came in, there was something explosive with that from a from a fan perspective. Uh, the uh you know the the title of the first record is enough to catch your eye like what do they mean by that and then it was just like in comparison because of victory records and victory had this uh you know there's a there was a certain thing that came with victory because of the earth crises and snap cases of the world and and, and you, olc and integrity and- yes yeah yeah and and then you guys come in and my favorite thing, I, I, I just had a conversation probably two weeks ago and, and by the grace of God came up in the conversation and we were discussing the fact that there was another friend of mine who grew up, you know, we all grew up together in this crew and we were discussing the fact that you guys in a, in a scene, you know, in a label where these bands were like, you know, vegan, straight edge, political, sociopolitical, you guys did it and it was, it felt much more real. <laughs> if, if that makes sense, like hearing you guys in comparison to the earth crises and, and integrities of the world that felt very real. Like I, I remember reading the lyrics, having the CD reading it and being like, Holy shit. These guys are, this, this shit's for real, man. Like I, and, and I, I don't you know, know why I'll tell you why it's because yeah. we were fumbling through like I think we were following our hearts as to what we think is right I mean I, I think that we I mean it wasn't like we ascribed to you know sign up here you're this thing you're into right like sure. we were like this is important, you know, and and we we weren't super nuanced in how we talked about. It. I think that's how most people are. Most people are like, oh, this is this bad thing. Let me figure it out, you know, kind yeah. of like. Um, so it, I I don't think I, I hope, and it was it certainly wasn't. Um, people didn't feel that it was like it was rehearsed or this was just our shtick. 
yeah. like our stick changed, you know, like, Oh, this isn't, you know, um, that at this, this is how I feel tonight when I talk about this, or mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to share this thing or I'm yeah. going to, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not being the most art, articulate, no, but, I get, the, I get but the point is, is yeah, we, we, it wasn't like, you know, we didn't plan like basically how lyrics work for me. We play mm-hmm. songs forever. Mm-hmm. And then one day something will be like, ah, you know, and I, and, and I write about it or something sticks, sticks in my head or it's, yeah. it's not like we have to have a song about this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so uh, I think people, I, I if people did connect. I think it's because they, most people kind of think the same way. They yes. operate the same way. And when it's too polished, people are like, oh, you know, they feel that they are excluded in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like politics now, right? Like, so we, we, to the right or whatever that it means anymore, but people that, you know, are, there's a lot of people that are, feel disenfranchised and they feel that they are left out of some club or that because they're from, you know, I, they have different viewpoints or they're mm-hmm. from a rural community that they're not intelligent or whatever. And, and there are certainly bands, I think, that kind of present this air of arrogance, I think. I mean, we yes. all, I mean, it, 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 it's in nature of being in a band. There's some air of arrogance that you have to not, uh, I think. Uh, but, the, but the point is, is that uh, I, I think that we just tried, we, we came at our viewpoints, we came at our um, lyrics, we came at the things we said uh, uh, sin- sincerely. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like we have to do this thing. And sometimes we would change, you know, yeah. maybe... 15 years ago, I, I stopped being straight edge. Right. And I was like, Oh, you know, because here's the reasons. And like, mm-hmm. I think that we we were, I think we were thoughtful in terms of, uh, or maybe we were reflective. Like there were, there were so many times yeah. that we'd be like, ah, no, wait a minute. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And that, I think that's what can, that's what the connection was. Um, I couldn't bumbling through life together. That, that's yeah, not a... yeah, yeah. There's there's, <laughs> there's a there's a theme there of like, I, by the grace of God, is far more relatable to me than Earth Crisis is relatable to me. You know, like I I listened to Earth Crisis. <laughs> you know, I bought the records, but at a certain point, I went, I don't no i like this doesn't i don't connect to this uh and i i by the grace of god is if not the last one of the last hardcore i guess if we're gonna say hardcore bands one of the last hardcore bands that i truly got passionate about and i think it's because there there was a connectivity there of they're speaking from like it was everything sounded like it was it was like, this is coming from not just my, my heart, but from my gut. This is my gut feeling in this moment. It felt raw. And, and I think that's where people connected and like, and from the first record to the second record as a fan, like, was there more polish? Yes. But like, you just like, it still felt like you guys, I don't know. There, It's, I don't know what, what was down there in Louisville, but you guys had, you guys were, it, it, it's easier for me to connect maybe because I'm not too far from there. I yeah. I don't know. No. I feel like we're all from I, that I, part of the country, I guess. I don't know. No, absolutely. There, I mean, 
I, you know, even, even the bands that, that were really different than us, there's still that kind of yeah Midwest, all the other bands, the yeah. Chicago bands, even Integrity, yeah. all, they all had their own, but there was still an air of that not not east coast not west coast yep. whatever the amalgam mush of in this middle is oh sure all yeah. these things come out of it yeah sure. we're about 90 minutes uh west of cleveland so you know went to cleveland for a million shows you know okay. in bands i was in played at a million in a million shows there integrity is argue- a staple of you know yeah. to the fabric of ohio music at this point no, I, you know we were we were really close to uh, those guys early on, mm-hmm. um, and, and Urba, you know, and, and Urba Endpoint wouldn't have gotten. I mean, Urba really pumped us up, made us feel like feel good about it. He was so excited for us, like yeah, you know, face value was already doing stuff, and he's like, "Oh, Endpoint, you got to tell you know," and he was like, he was um, he was a good friend, he really was. And, and they we still were- keep in touch every now and then, but. Good, good. Now, yeah. what? How? How was the experience being like? That's it was the biggest, la- biggest label in our world, at that point in time. You guys are on it. Uh, what is that? What is that like to be like? You're a part of at the time. Victory Records was fucking huge, and they would only get bigger. But there, that's a real seminal point in hardcore. What? How was it being a part of that stable of bands and being on the road amidst that? Is it worth the shit? I mean, they're indie labels, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for us, it was a, an amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I think. It, I think by the time "By the Grace of God" came around, like like myself, I was already teaching. Uh, okay, not, you know, Duncan was doing other projects. You know, there was guilt and like, mm-hmm. so I'm just framing as like, I don't think we thought like, this is our step to the next, you know, yeah. something yeah, yeah. bigger, but we saw this opportunity of like, oh, this is a cool label. People are going to get our records. We still want to continue to tour and stuff like that. And so it just, um, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun at the beginning too. I mean, Tony, remember going up there and Tony took us to, out to eat and we all went to uh, um where did we go oh yeah um uh, oh my gosh soul um soul bay yeah soul vegetarian yeah and i oh, remember he brought him okay. he brought a whole bunch back and we were testing all these hot you know like days and sandy sauce and all these different <laughs> pla- it was like you know it was really fun i actually i first met um on a way to a show that Implant played with integrity at DeKalb. Okay. Uh, and I remember I, we stayed at, uh, maybe Tony Brummel, uh, we stayed at a house, uh, the Tony, John, jo- not John Joseph, uh, Jeff Johns. And then Tony Brummel was there. And so this is the first time I met him. Um, but yeah, it was all great early on. It was really mm-hmm. fun. Like it was a great opportunity. Um, we, towards the end you know like victory started changing like the it seemed that it wasn't a fit for who we were anymore mm-hmm. uh, we didn't agree with all their kind of policies and things so we just kind of moved on and yeah. it was really great a couple of, you know 
when they sold and we were able to get our songs back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> even though we never really had a contract with them ever for anything, we never saw any a dime from them. Uh, that but, seems to be the and, theme. <laughs> yeah, but that's like... probably not true. You know, even yeah. though we say that, they might have like, I don't know if they, you know, maybe gave us t-shirts or maybe probably sure. this guy didn't sell hardly any records. I don't know. But the point is, is that like, uh, it was nice to kind of have the rights to our stuff and then have Equal Vision put this out. Like, I yeah. really love Dan. Uh, I, I, I love the Equal Vision guys and, mm-hmm. and they were really great to us at Black Cross. And so it was really nice to, uh, to have them put it out and have it kind of end up its last press on that label for sure. Yes. And Steve's. I, Steve's amazing. I love that it that Equal Vision is who you guys put that out through. Like it it's it's cool to me. It's a little piece of my heart to know that they uh, you know they released that last uh, uh, Game Face full length, and then you know they've re released you guys' records. Like those are important important bands to me. And I'm like, oh, now it's all in one house. It's kind of cool. Um, so you'd mentioned that you were already teaching. So education has been a a huge part of your life. Clearly. Um, it was, was that always, was that always the goal or, or did you just continue to like, you seem to have, you want to, you want more knowledge. You want, you, you clearly never want to stop learning or educating yourself. So was that, it it wasn't, there was no rock star dreams. It was, no, I mean, there's a part of, you know, of course you're like, oh, without, but I was, I don't know, I was pretty pragmatic and maybe because mm-hmm. uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money. I was like, oh, I gotta make sure I work. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, <laughs> but I, my, my dad was a teacher early on. And so yeah. I remember when I was in like fifth grade, I had an opportunity. We could finish with work early. We could go next door to the classroom and there's a special ed classroom kids with severe disabilities. So I remember meeting this young guy named Jose and we'd walk him down the hall and, uh, and I go to classes with them. And I just remember like, um, wow, this is cool. And as I saw my dad as a teacher and then somehow I decided in high school, I was going to be a special ed teacher. And so like, I went to like a couple like teacher teachers of America clubs, which is yep. me and you know, about eight other nerdy females. And like, what, 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 wasn't the cool club, uh, and, uh, no leather yeah, jackets just, there. No, not at all. <laughs> and so I, so I, so we did that. And then I, you know, I knew I wanted to teach. And so even when the band was going on, like I would, I always worked lots of jobs, but I, yeah. a couple of the jobs when I was like 18, 19 was kind of like either respite jobs with kids with severe disabilities, tutoring jobs. I did what was called a picture exchange communication mm-hmm. training with uh, two-year-olds with autism. Uh, and then by the time I was 22, I was teaching in a classroom. And so what we would do is input was still around. So we would like, I would get off, you know, uh, teaching and then on a, they'd have like a teacher day off on a Friday. Uh-huh. We'd leave on a Thursday night, play yep. crazy, you know, be like Boston on Saturday night, drive all the way home. <laughs> there were times when I would get on, you know, I'd get home at 4am and go teaching Monday morning, like just exhausted uh drinking a pot of coffee yeah um but yeah i was always and you know maybe i held people back sometimes too because i was like no i'm I'm, you know there was i wasn't gonna quit my job ever to uh pursue a band because i you know 
why why should I? I was I was having you know yeah. kind of the, my cake and eating it too. Really, I was mm-hmm. getting, developing a career that made me feel good, and I still got to play music, and so I was able to find a balance. I mm-hmm. think, um, and 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 I still do that. I mean, there you know, when I was younger, I would wonder you know if I maybe took some time off from college or did something like we could have done more. But as I'm older, I'm like, no, everything worked out exactly the way that I wanted to. Right. Right. Life, life went the direction you wanted it to, even if it didn't seem like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm totally not burnt. You know, it's like, I still like playing music. I never Mm -hmm. felt burnt out, you know, really, um, you know, it, it still brings me lots of joy. Yeah. And I still have close relationships with Duncan and Ryan Patterson from the, the black years, you know, the yeah. black widows, black cross, black widows, black, black cross. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and it's the decades, it's the Duncan decades and then the Patterson decades. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like a, a, a very fortunate dude. I, I, I think it's very cool. That's a guy like yourself. And then, uh, I, I know, uh, is it Mark Mark Bricky from the Inkindles? You yeah. both you both have you both have like have you know really emerged in these career really you know found these cool careers that you've really poured yourselves into, and like I'm you know it's funny because I look at it, I'm like I'm this you know. I, I was this dumb kid who loved these guys' bands, and they're you know there's you're still influencing people's lives. And I, uh, we're, you know, we were all dumb. We're all, we're, we're all dumb kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Just trying to figure things out as we go. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I am happy that I'm positioned in a place where I can kind of systemically, you know, especially when I'm working with kids with what yeah. we call now it's extensive support needs. And that's like probably the most underrepresented disenfranchised group of people. So I really love spending time and working and developing interventions. But, but that being said, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're working at a gas station, you know, you've got opportunities to be good to other people, you know? And so, right. yeah, I, so I appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, it's like we're all in trying to figure things out. And sometimes yeah. we're fortunate enough to land a, land a gig where we have more exp- exponential opportunities, right, to be able to touch people. And right. uh, But, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm pretty psyched. You know, Duncan does. You know, it's like they're they're every everyone from that early scene. Yes, that's not, you, not true. Everyone, but there's a lot so of you. many people. So you know, Duncan's teaching uh, literature up in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these people that that I used to just I used to travel to New York all the time just to go eat. Like I could be done. I'm like I have to, and I'm still uh, very <laughs> rule governed. Like I have to go. You know, I go to New York. As soon as I pull in, I go to box, you know, I have a, a big vegan bagel. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, bagels are usually vegan, but just the bots bagel with their yep. tons of tofu to cream cheese slapped on it and <laughs> squish on your face and go to the same old Chinese vegetarian restaurants. Like, uh, but I would go up there all the time and visit. Yeah. And those people that are, are amazing. You know, there are, those people are, uh, advocates in so many different ways there. I, I know people that are working and, and, and government trying to do the right things for folks advocating for uh, disenfranchised individuals. I know somebody that was like ended up being a big uh, working multiple people work in uh, in charitable organizations. Like there's just a lot of amazingly talented people that came from that scene that I probably would have never intersected with. Right. I yeah, never, yeah. ever if it wasn't for music. Yeah. 
in, in I'm just fucking proud of a million people. <laughs> yeah, well, man, like you, but you mentioned like not just you and Duncan, but like you know, like I'd mentioned, I I saw that Mark Bricky's like a big like marketing guy. Um, yeah. Uh, like like I was looking at his Instagram, I was like, holy shit! Like <laughs> this is the dude from the Kindles. Uh, <laughs> Um, he, he, he's a talent. He, he always very talented. I did not surprise me at all that he would rise in that position. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, just seeing those other guys from, from that world that have, I, I don't know, man, I, I feel like when I think about, you know, because connect Kentucky butts up against Ohio. So like, you know, I've, I mean, Kentucky is just part of any traveling I've ever done in life. Kentucky's part of it. And, I, I think, you know, you'd mentioned like people that are working as advocates, people that are working in government, seeing some of the things that you guys have done, it feels very much a part of this, this part of the country where there isn't that coastal part of us. Like we don't think this part, this section of the country doesn't function that way. And, and despite what sort of static and politics are happening, uh, there's a, there's a core value in you. And I think in people in this area that it, this part of the country that I think there's a core value of wanting to help people. And, uh, you know, it, it, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I know, so I know people from all over the country, you know, that are in these great, that, um, maybe that's not a net, Maybe they're, you know, I think each community has their own narrative about who they are, right? Yeah. Yes. But agreed. I would say that probably within every community, there are people that want to do right by people. And right. and I know just as many people in the Midwest that um, support policies that, you know, basically hurt and oppress other people just as much yes. as I do people in the East and West Coast. And yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, there is a, a, def, a definite narrative about the midwest that i certainly ascribe to some of it for sure and it is a very special place but i but but i I don't know i mean again you you said i'm the you know super optimistic guy (laughs) i put you in a great position no no but i'm I'm just saying this i'm I'm just gonna say it's like there i i know people everywhere that are just fucking you know lights you know and just fucking doing good shit and making people's lives better and you know, focusing a little less on themselves and more other people. And, right. and that's true. And there, I mean, I think, I think there is in some Midwest communities, this idea of um, the importance of family and community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a lot of work in rural areas and, and, yeah. and there is, and I, and I would say that is you unique uh, to, to some, to some of those regions for sure. And I think because of that connectedness, people are willing to help out and people mm-hmm. are willing to, and that's important to make sure the, the community is strong. Right. But there are those pockets of communities, even in big urban centers too. And so, sure. um, I think there's two, like, you know, I mean, we're, we're in Northwest Ohio. So like it's fucking Trump country, you know, like this is, it, it, it was, you know, I mean, we definitely, you know, is. even in our own community, you know, I my mean, wife and I'm I felt the, ostracized. And you're in the South, you know? I'm like, in the Southeast. Yeah, man. Uh, we, have, we have, you know, Trump flags yeah. uh, all over. But, you know, it's really funny. So one of the things that I, um, you probably don't want, <laughs> you don't want to go here, but. I, I do. What I, do I, ascri- <laughs> what I ascribe to is basically a science of human behavior. Because that's what I study, right? So, um, 
one of the areas to which I work is uh, behavior analysis. I'm also a board certified behavior analyst. I train behavior analysts, and and uh, um, and from that perspective, the like, and I, I think most people can agree to a point with this is this idea. There's nobody that's born a Trump fan, right? There's nobody that right. Everything that you do, you've learned throughout your lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and you learn through your interactions with the environment. There's no secret, like, you know, little machine inside of you that just opens up and, like, suddenly information. All that comes from the outside, mm-hmm. right? So so as frustrated as I've gotten, and, and um, especially with, you know, and if you, you know, if you talk to my wife, you'll hear a different story about how angry I get sometimes. But... Uh, <laughs> Front facing here. Yeah. The idea is that the idea is that, you know, somebody didn't choose to be a Trump supporter. They were conditioned that way. Mm-hmm. And people like, you know, people engage in crazy things that you, you know, would not that make no sense whatsoever. It's like and people believe in create in things that just don't make sense to other yeah. people. If you're a Christian, does it make sense that somebody wears just a blue baby that was born in an ocean of milk? Or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're non-Christian, that there's another plane of people with wings that fly around. Like, it's crazy shit that people are like, no, it's real. Yes. And so there's no other explanation for that except conditioning. Mm-hmm. And you can't just turn that off. You can't be like, oh, I'm, you know, it, it's, it's your exposure thing. So I'm not a very religious person. And so, but my parents were Southern Baptist. And yeah, for me, sure. it was like, hmm, punk rock started questioning his things for me, music. And then I met like Ray and all those guys in shelter. And I was like, Kari Krishna's. So being exposed to another religion, it's like, wait a minute, how do you know which religions are? And, and then everything just started unraveling from there. Like, oh, yeah. but it was my experiences that brought that to me. So what, so the moral of the story is, it's certainly frustrating when people do things that are, labeled you know that 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 are harmful or destructive or just fucking annoying uh but the fact is is that you always have to remind yourself or at least from that kind of behavioral perspective is that people didn't choose that yeah nobody nobody chooses to be an asshole they have it's just worked for them over time and so they just keep perpetuating those responses wow so so pushing people you know attacking people oftentimes just fills into those narratives and yeah you have to stand up sometimes you have to protect people and that's important you know but the fact is is that uh, i try to every day remember that when somebody is a fucking asshole to me they're not they they didn't choose to be that somehow um, they just had a sucky environment that taught them to be an asshole yeah you know so 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 somebody's dead i'm like oh sucks for that guy's environment and again, on the day to day, we're conditioned too, right? We're conditioned that with this, they still rile us up. Somebody comes at you and calls you something in your face. You're still, you know, and, and that's yeah. just a part of like basically our genetic endowment. We just get like flight or fight, like, ah. Mm-hmm. But when you sit back to it, you're like, oh man, that guy sucks, that sucks for that guy that he has to go yeah. through his life acting this way. So, anyway, that's it's that, really funny because that, let's go ahead. That really like, that kind of fucks me up now that I think about it because we are we are so uh, it, it, I think it's a compulsion to be like no you're choosing to be a piece of shit you're choosing to be an asshole and in reality like you're saying these are inherited conditions where their their environment from the moment they enter the world is just it's it's static and friction and I don't know that 
we we think about it in those in those terms it, ever. I mean, think about. I mean, a kid is comes with you know some genetic endowment that's, that talks about levels of arousal, whatever else. Mm-hmm. But but it doesn't it doesn't select. There's no programming that says you will. You know, raise, you know, you will say this thing like the, the, yeah. that, that, that comes from your exposure to the environment. If somebody's yeah. conditioned over and over and over again, basically they perform a response, they model a response mm-hmm. and then they get something out of it. It becomes strong, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and, and you, you think about people that do crazy shit all the time. Like, are they choosing to do that? You know, I had a, a friend that was, um, like a scene acquaintance mm-hmm. he was an african-american man who decided one day he was gonna be a nazi skinhead you know and we were all like you know it's like 1987 like what are you what, what are you doing yeah and, and he was like no i'm native american which i was like that's not i don't think nazis are fans of those uh, anyway but the point nope. is is that we <laughs> you know he found a group of friends that accepted him he's kind of an outside guy on the scene oh, Never thought he yeah. fit in. and then he found these other guys and then a year later he met a girlfriend, shifted that his circle, and those behaviors weren't reinforced anymore. So he kind of put them all aside. Yeah. But we're, you know, we're not as complex as we think we are. And no, the, 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 blame, the blame setup is basically, it doesn't solve the problem. It's harder than the individual, but not the problem. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's, that's really important. I prefer to think about the problem, not the individual. Right. So right. So, right. So with with that in mind, when you think about, you know, this this cult of personality that has followed someone like like a Trump, um, that I I think I I mean, and I I am guilty of it, of looking at people and going, why the fuck would they do this? Why did they take this road? And I like at least you're nice. You're nicer than I'm on some days. You know, you're you're at least asking. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, no, I'm yeah, doing the yeah, same. Anyway, I know. But. <laughs> yeah, my wife hears the 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 more sure. and the epi- the non-interview episodes where it's my wife and I. That's usually how our conversation ends up going on these episodes. Is is me losing my fucking mind over that stuff? But I think. I think there, I, I mean, you, you've kind of caused me to re, reassess my, I mean, I'm never going to accept that behavior or that mentality where you think it's okay to marginalize groups of people. I, I will never accept that. Yeah. Um, well, you don't, you don't accept the marginalization, right? right? You have to speak out against it. Right. But the fact is, is that it makes it easier when you understand it. You know, yes. you understand that this works for an individual and we don't choose, you know, think about things like how hard it is to change your own behavior. You know, it's oh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm shouldn't drink sodas. I know I shouldn't drink. I just, whoa. If you knew that's my phone, my, <laughs> my black Sabbath ringer. Hell yeah. Um, I knew it was Ozzy right away. <laughs> um, little known fact that is Rob Pennington's favorite artist of all time. Black uh, Sabbath? Ozzy, Ozzy and Black Sabbath. And Black, okay, all right. Yeah, but a yeah. um, bunch of Black Sabbath records right back there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I was stared away. I almost got a, a two weeks ago. I was back in Louisville. I almost got a headless bat, and Did that's you? my next one. But but I didn't. I got I got a little I got a little goose because I have a I have a dog we call the goose. Okay. Anyway, okay. but the next is a headless bat. Okay. Ozzy. Uh, 
I just got distracted by that whole the whole thing. Well, I guess the whole point is you can be upset about marginalizing, but it doesn't. It, it helps you understand the problem. It lets you. Yeah. The more you think about, the less emotional you get. So you can, you know, uh, arguing with somebody that's been so conditioned to believe a certain way. Yeah. It does your your own verbal what you say about things doesn't change your behavior. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So again, I know sodas are bad for me. I'm gonna drink one, or I know I should be going to the gym whatever i should mm-hmm. i should not yell at my kids oh but i do it's because it's because you it's very hard to interrupt yeah these things that have worked for us for so long right, right? and so you just have to so the i mean the the best way to change people's perspective mm-hmm. i really believe this is to get to know them and show them different ways right you right. know because people care about what other people think so you get to know somebody and suddenly they say something like, well, I don't really know, but they like you. But well, maybe. And they start rethinking the way that they, yeah. you know, they behave or they discuss. Telling somebody they're an asshole for being an asshole just makes them more of an asshole, right? They're yes. just like, well, fuck you. Yeah. Or we can live in a world where we punish people all the time. And I don't think anybody wants to do that either. No. So because no. that means somebody gets to be an arbiter of what's right and wrong. And then we just punish people. And yeah. then punishment does nothing. I mean, it momentarily uses changes people's behavior but usually it comes back or it's manifested in different ways and so um and there's always i mean nobody wants to live in a coercive no. yeah and i body. i you know because part of me thinks too i look at it and go well i look at a guy like you or a guy like me who grew up you know in in christian homes yeah and i look at it and go well how did we get out but I also have to stop and look at it and realize, like, my parents, I wasn't raised around racism or homophobia yeah. or bigotry. That's not how my parents operated. They never operated that way. They went to church. They believed what they believed. But they also opened their doors to people. No questions asked. If you had a problem, we'll, we'll, we'll make you a meal. And I, I can now look as an adult and go, oh, it's because they weren't teaching me the fucked up stuff that I associate with organized religion now. Yeah. I, I was I mean, raised in that, but my parents are the same way. My parents yeah. are, are, are wonderful, good folks that take mm-hmm. care of other people. And yes. it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it is reinforcing for us as people it means we get some, something out of it, you know, yeah. to talk shit with our friends because our friends go, yeah, right on, right on. So we get yeah, attention for it. For sure. And then there's some sort of weird, like, I don't know, some some other tor- type of reinforcer there for us just blaming. And and so there's there, there's an interesting, a really inter... So now, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> got I, away from music for a little... There was I told this really you. Great, I so told there's, you. This guy, there's a guy... <laughs> so there's this really great guy, Pat Fryman, and, and I quoted him a minute ago thinking... So he's a he's a a big kind of behavioral research has done a lot with families and, and parenting and stuff like that. He wrote this paper recently called, uh, there's no such thing as a bad boy, a circumstances view of behavior. But what's really interesting and that, that speaks to your point in that paper is he is talking, he describes how, you know, at some point our, um, kind of genetic endowment or the phylogeny, essentially what that, what that does for us as, as we were so used to like, you know, you know, yeah, when things are different, they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we see contrast, usually they're they're They were dangerous. But the problem is, is that we've evolved pretty quickly our brains. 
So now we look for contrast in everything, even though it's not dangerous anymore. Right. So there's some sort of uh, purpose that's that our body and our mind still thinks that that has for us. And, and, and definitely in, in, in learning and other things, what we call discrimination is really important. But we tend to be reinforced. We tend to look for differences in other people versus uh, what connects us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's really hard for us to overcome that. So that's, that's why, you know, we'll, we'll talk some shit and then later we'll feel really bad. Like, oh, shouldn't, you know, you feel bad about it because it's just almost instantaneous for us to do that we're almost i mean in in a sense many of us are still kind of hardwired to do that yes and so it makes it really hard to talk this like coming together when we're still working through you know centuries of "Ah, you know you're different than me Ah," you know stand back you know yeah Uh, and and yeah it's it I hope we get to a better place a hundred years from now. Right. Yeah. Uh, 200 <laughs> years, 300 yeah. years from now. <laughs> and then the resources will run out. And then, yeah, I mean, who knows what's yeah. going to happen, but anyway, do you, do you think, uh, I, I, with that, in, with that in mind, do you think punk rock helps you has helped you to look for ways? Like what do we connect on rather than how we're different? Yeah, I think parts of punk rock for sure. I yeah. think I developed my worldview as a part of punk rock. No, not all punk rock. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the punk rock is really focused on us versus them. Yeah, and I think yeah. I, I think I think I had to be, have confidence with being a us before mm-hmm. I could. I think I had to I had to learn to like myself. I think I think punk rock helped me do that, and community helped me do that, and helped me yeah. like celebrate differences and diversity and. Yes. And, and, and that was, that was good for me. And I think from that, I was able to maybe continue on in this continuous process of, of growing. So yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, as I got older, but I did the same damn thing as when I was younger, it's just a lot of black cross and black godlers, even the last by the grace of God record talks yeah. a lot about, um, that kind of false dichotomy that we kind of set up between people, you know, this yeah. idea that everybody, there is us versus them and, and, mm-hmm. and how we, you know, we find power in that tribalism, but how it also leads us to do a lot of stupid things. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, so, so I think punk rock gave me the tools to get to this place where I am now that I'm pretty happy with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How about and that? It, yeah. It, it, sh- it, sh- it did shape who you became ultimately. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, you, you mentioned black cross. So we have to talk about those black years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, uh, I, those are black cross fucking awesome. Just like, I'm sure you've heard it before, but I, I, you know, you, you hear them. It's really funny. There's two generations. The young people, like in the yeah. 30s, are like, oh, the Black Cross, Black God, whatever. Uh, and then there's the, but I'm so used to hearing some older, like, the, oh, the, the, the end point by the grace of God, <laughs> those years. Yeah. Um, I'm four, I'm in my 40s. So I like them both. 41. There, there yep. you go. See, I, I'm right in the sweet spot. So that, uh, those, uh, was that one of those things where like after by the grace of God is, is over. Was it, is it the same thing that all of us fall into that played in bands where it's like, you just always have the itch to play again. Was that how? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, by the grace of God, I guess never. No. Until we're dead. Yeah. Uh, You guys do always circle back around. (laughs) Yeah. Because we like each other. We're like, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, No. So what technically happened is I moved to Colorado. Duncan was out there. Duncan had moved to go to school. I had always lived in Louisville, but I had toured and knew there's other parts of the world to do that I had to leave. Yeah. And so I went and stayed there for a year. Yeah. And I was there and I just kind of missed Louisville and lots of different things. Sure. Uh, and so I came back and then was thinking about playing music. I was like, I still want to play music. You know, uh, by that, by the grace of God, it's still, that was our, again, a lot of momentum it was late nineties for us. So it, was, yeah. it wasn't like things had dwindled. Um, and so I, Ryan Patterson was around uh and he was playing at that time in the national acrobat mm-hmm. i tried out for that band the first time and it just wasn't a match but i named them again after a good black sabbath song i was just gonna uh, ask you if you had anything to do with that yeah, because I'm i like, did sabbath and they- <laughs> i did and then casper adams sang for that band afterwards yeah. uh so uh, we were walking away from um uh, crazy fest i think and i said mm. man we should we should do a band mm-hmm. and then we did it and just happened Palumbo came to play bass but then that didn't but he i don't know if he wanted to play bass really it was kind of this weird like and so he didn't come the next time i think and so ron's brother evan was upstairs and tommy was there and, uh <laughs> and, and so we're like all right and we just and we just started playing and so we did that band um, lots of excitement and, uh, and then I got married and then we realized we probably weren't going to tour. And at that time, yeah. Ryan had already started calling CM. Uh, Evan was doing young widows or breathe the resist at that time. Can yeah. they switch to young widows? Mm-hmm. So they were doing their own things. And so we kept doing black cross, um, until we kind of felt it had run its course. And so we, we did that, but then less than a year later, uh, and I think I was still playing. Maybe I was, I, was, I did a band with my wife called Minnow. And so maybe we were playing around. So I still get my fix. Uh, but okay. they, um, Ryan's like, well, let's just keep going. Like Evan, Evan had moved on, was doing his own thing. And so uh, we got Ben Sears, who's, in, who's awesome. He was such yeah. a, such a good, he was in a band called Mountain of Sleep. And then he did a By the Grace of God European tour with us. And then uh, um, Nick, who was in the, Later in Black Cross, Nick Thieman, who's also in Young Widows, then so the four of us started doing it. We're like, all right, we're just gonna have fun. No song more than two minutes, no seven inch more than six songs, no set more than 20 minutes. Hell yeah. And we would just like <laughs> just bang through it. We had so much fun. It was really, yeah, it was it, it was a blast uh doing that band. I missed that band a lot. It was it was uh there's the same things that I loved about like when you say like no song over two minutes, no seven inches more than six tracks, that spirit of that, the same way with like Kid Dynamite, that was, you know, instantaneous yeah. for me. When I heard them, I was like, fuck yeah, that's get bang it out and go. That's it. I was going to say bang it out. Yeah, man. I, and we were the young widow. We were black widows first. And yeah. then, um, and Equal Vision was going to put that out, but then we got a cease and desist letter from some guy that lived in New York who was like, I don't know, like in his 50s or 60s or 50s, and he played in a cover band oh, and that called the Black Widows, and he had a flyer, mm-hmm. a Black Widows plan, and that was enough for him to, to 
basically threatened us on a suicide or something. So we put our head together and we're like, a uh, black cross. Yeah. That sounds tough. I think Brian came up and he's like, he's like, that sounds tough. All right, we're going to do that. So we switched to black. Of course, Black Widows was, you know, after the motorcycle gang and every which way but loose. Of course. Um, so, yeah. And then Black God, of course, is Black Cross, by the grace of God. Yeah. Black God. <laughs> now, how, when you think of Black Cross, the collective amount of bands amongst the people that walked through the doors of Black Cross, there are so many know. bands between all of you. Holy shit. Because you named I mean, Jay and Tom, like you started naming them, and I'm kind of rolodexing their bands, and I'm like, oh my god, there were so many, so many bands in Black Cross. I mean, Ryan with with his projects. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, um, Evan's been really successful yeah. with you know Young Widows and JJL, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean. Louisville, Louisville again is like that. There's lots of musicians, super incestuous. There's always somebody from some band, you know. Oh yeah, let's let's just do something, pulling people yeah. together. And so, uh, I, I don't know if that's different than other towns. Really, it's there's not, just a lot. Yeah, of... yeah. <laughs> I think about I I I joke that I feel like I saw Elliot so many times, but in reality, I saw those dudes probably in a lot of other bands, and I've just filtered uh, it into oh i saw elliot you know 20 times. falling falling forward they were always i mean chris went on our that that first tour to floor with florida with us he followed oh. us in his and his mom's like a little white car it was it was awesome <laughs> that's great yeah, yeah he's, he's another so one yeah, oh god he yeah he's another he's one a that. great great photographer i mean yes. his photography skills are Gorgeous. fantastic yeah, yeah. Really talented. I, I, it's funny because I feel like I'm coming away with this feeling like the things I always thought you are really like reinforcing to me that like you guys had a, a, a there was a really it's a really special scene that and it, it is. I mean it's it's not perfect you know no. there were more young there were egos and everybody was you know trying to figure out you know what to do next like when Endpoint broke up you know, it's like, all right, who's the next into that is falling forward and Kendall, like people, I mean, there was all sorts of weird, like, yeah, always, but that's just the way it is with, you know, people all shuffling for the spotlight, you know, it's, it's, it's silly. Uh, but at, at this point in my life, like I really look back and just remember all the best parts of, uh, those experiences and those people and, fortunate to have been surrounded by such a talented group of individuals like shit like just uh you know a couple of years ago just just how this how just how cool everybody is like in, in a weird way like even though we're different i remember like so you know we all in my town many of us grew up listening to slint and i remember like slint yeah. slint did these reunion tours back and then like Maybe I was in a band called Minnow that my wife played drums in, and Brett had like maybe I don't know knew my wife a little bit, had helped tune her drums or something like that. Like when my wife went, went through a bout of pretty severe illness. Okay, and Brett was really cool; would come over and 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 help out some. And um, anyway, like they're like, you want to come open for us? At you know in New York City, we're like, sure. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, we're awful. I mean, we weren't awful. I mean, we were we were fun and kind of. I think we put out like two records, and it was me and this guy Doug Maxim, who 
uh, was in an early Louisville band called the Dick Brains. Okay. Uh, and so, like, he's 10 years older than I was. So, they, and then Carrie Newmeyer was a band called Second Story Man, and she played bass, my wife. And we we're just kind of like a fun punk rock yeah. uh, a band. And, like, here we are, like, opening for Slint, you know, at, at Webster in Hall in New, New York. York. Like, <laughs> But, it, but people were just always cool. Like, they just didn't give a fuck. You know, that yeah. was just, I just, I, yeah, I just, you know, I, we went back and visited a couple of weeks ago. And I was just, like, driving down the street. Like, oh, there's this guy. There's Brett Ralph. You know, sitting there having fucking breakfast out on the little. So <laughs> Brett Ralph was in a band called Fading Out and Malignant Growth. So Malignant Growth would do shows with Minor Threat. And Fading Out was awesome. I don't know if you oh. ever heard their record on Drag City. Uh, and it had the same guitar player that was in a later band called King Horse, which is a whole other vein of Louisville music okay. that was really important, but we didn't it, we didn't really touch on uh, <laughs> as much. But you know, Brett was like this big old giant football player, and like I remember him like I remember being a I don't know if it was maybe 1986 some nerd that like has like the perfect like tour dates memorized. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll catch me on this, but it was like it was a. Uh, coc dag nasty tour oh and so i went i got to go taught my parents into going at myron hardesty and and uh todd brashear who was in slant but before that was in a band called solution unknown which is more of a hardcore band mm -hmm. uh and which again influenced me a lot uh, they drove me up to the jockey club to see it i remember <sighs> i got in with an id and id actually had a picture of a of a black man on it, but they let me in. And I remember going to the bar and he's like, what do you want? And I mean, I was like 15. And I remember there was like a, those big foster beer cans. Yeah. And I was like, it was so big. I was like, can I have one of those? And he's like, yeah, here you go. And so I remember like, <laughs> what is this? I'm like 15. This little, you know, seeing these bands play. But anyway, Brian Baker, um, went, Maybe it wasn't Brett Ralph. I'm sorry, that was wrong. Wayne Pied, another old guy, was heckling Brian Baker, and Brian got miffed and was like, "Stop, everybody, stop! I want you to throw this guy out, throw this guy out!" And then Wayne pulls out a knife and, oh, and to, to the balancers, like, "Throw me out!" And everybody just kind of walked <laughs> off. And it was like, and here I'm, this 15 year old Midwest, just like, "What the fuck? This is so dangerous," you know. But it was so awesome at the same oh, it's time. Great. Like, this is crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah so I, I love hearing that because i think about the early shows i went to where it was just like what the fuck am i doing you know like what was i doing but i took my son literally the the weekend before the country shut down i took him to uh to cleveland to see the new bomb turks and like I look at his first show experience and he's got these punk rock ants that take him to the front and build this barricade around him because our friend group, so, you know, or the, 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 those ladies took him up there and, you know, blocked him off. So he's right up front, you know, and, you know, and Eric Davidson is, you know, able to grab his head cause he's this kid in the front no danger really like just the excitement right. and the energy of it and i think of like you like being in places where i'm like i have no fucking business being here there's absolutely um, my, my mom would drop me off behind the pick and pack mom don't i don't just drop me off don't, where are you going i was like i'm going to you know and there was this place called charlie's pizzeria yeah uh where a bunch of our shows were so like ignition there like oh. and it was like you know just a little pizza spot he made peanut butter pizza he gave him extra money. He'd, he'd slip beers out the back kitchen door for underage people. 
And, and he called her by baby. He's like, hey, baby. I was like, all right. Uh, but or we'd lie. Mom, going to a movie. You know, and then oh, sure. head up to head up to where the shows were. It was yeah. it was exciting. I got, I was a square kid that was like in the advanced program. Mm-hmm. You know, was kind of bullied a lot. And here was this whole other life. I mean, just the whole like, you know, the whole myth behind it all was just was just amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But and I love getting together with my old friends, just talking shit for hours. Remember that time? Oh yeah. my god, and that guy! And uh, yeah, literally just great. did that last weekend <laughs> over. Uh, it was a Memorial Day weekend. Did did the same thing. It was with old friends and just talking shit and telling old war stories. But dumb shit that you you know you're you're working through the fog of all those years ago. But oh yeah, you know everybody's. Yes, and everybody's peace. Ten years from now, you'll be like, you, you have to rely on the. Now, what was that? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, like. Takes a lot longer to piece um, them together. <laughs> it does. Um, uh, as we wrap this up, um, you know, with all of this, in, all of this incredible music you've been a part of, and these this this world that you you existed in. Do do you still feel? passionate is there new music that still makes you passionate do you still feel like yes there i i still feel that same fire you know a similar you know the the this version of you feel that fire that you felt you know at 16 years old is there stuff that still catches you yeah i mean I, there, there's two different questions there i mean is it, yeah. is it harder to find music that you're just like oh my god like sure. the same way probably not as much no i mean people will turn things on to me much less hardcore a couple of years ago. Some, you know, I, I can't, I'll listen to things, but all right. I don't know if things stick with me. You know, I still like current bands, like what well, kind of current bands, like hot snakes. And a couple of years yeah. ago, somebody gave, gave me tap and die, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still like playing. I still have the same. I don't know. I think I said this before. Did you, did you know that we put out a record? By the guys got put out a record about two years ago. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So I still love those songs, and we're thinking yeah. of writing more. And I'm in a band now called Jupiter Hearts with the. Um, when I came here, our department chair Charlie Wood is my same age. He's like, oh yeah, I used to book shows in uh, Kalamazoo in like the '80s, late '80s. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And I was like, I was I was even on a band. I was like, really? And so, but he was playing in cover bands. But I was like, but do you play other stuff? And he's like, yeah. And so. It's awesome. Like he writes so great cool. stuff and has a great music catalog. And then there's a record store here called Lunchbox that's amazing. And the owner plays guitar, uh, plays drums for us, or uh, with us. And then um, this is really cool too. There's a guy named Tim Creependorf who um, was in Triple Threat with Tim McMahon from Mouthpiece, and oh. then played a couple of shows with Hands as a member of Hands Tide. But he was from Germany. He saw us when he was like a wee lad uh saw endpoint 1992 in germany and then saw us again in holland 1997 before he moved to the states so he was living here and he plays bass so you know i still like i can't wait to play live i still feel the same way i mean you know i still jump around as much as my body will let me sure let me do i'm still in decent shape for an old man so it's it's, no so yes when the music and you can ask anybody, the music turns on. It's just like everything else is out of my head. Yep, and I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Having, having experienced you live, I can attest that the 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 live show version of you is 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 
it's all, it's all uh, the fuzz the only way you can get past my terrible vocals so that's yeah <laughs> my experience is so much better no but i do i, I still it still turns on like it's just like yes. I love that. it's playing yeah. even practicing sometimes but just like go in the zone you're like and you just you just uh you just feel it so. yeah yeah that's great man um it's the uh before we go, I mean, if you want people to know where to find you on social media, feel, you know, let me, here's where you would drop that. And also, uh, you know, you, you just mentioned the new band. Maybe, maybe if you could plug the, the re-releases of the By the Grace of God records so people know where to get their hands on those. First, I think we should plug that sick Wild at Heart shirt that you've got on, which Thank is pretty you. awesome. Thank you for Sick noticing. little tie-dye. Wild at, yeah, I've been watching yeah, the whole man. time. Like, that's hot. Thank Woo. you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we just uh, released a... Uh, so yeah, I'm doing a band called Jupiter Hearts, but we haven't recorded yet, so we'll see. We're about 10, 11 songs we're playing soon. But we, but we just released, again, those By the Grace of God uh, for the love of indie rock and uh, perspectives. And again, a great... We love it because the the proceeds go to uh, uh, the, the oh my god what's wrong with my brain tonight I'm exhausted <laughs> the bail fund right so yep. again yep. that that helps uh, provide for support and, and legal aid for folks that may not have it mm-hmm. uh, and then um, the records are really cool because they have like songs on them that were only on the CD or little extras so the LP has you know perspectives has a shoots and ladders which is my favorite covers I've ever done and the seven inch has a song called Ipecac which not many people heard that was uh um it's not a seven inch 12 inch but after yeah. the love of any rock Ipecac which is about eating disorders and then we also have Poison Bomb uh uh which is which is on there. Um and so yeah I'm really real psyched about them and hope you check them out. I think there's a couple left uh mm-hmm. from the from the pressing. And you can find me at on Grandpa Facebooks, I guess, and the Instagrams, and yeah, I'm pretty easy, easy guys. I'm, 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 I'm a, I guess I'm pretty liberal. Just accept, sure, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's really funny though. My, my Facebook page is like a shit show because it's like you know I have like now academic world, yeah, researcher world, people that you know, some German kid that met me in 19 you know 91 on some tour somewhere <laughs> like i did martial arts for about 20 years you know it's like so yeah, i we have didn't such even this weird that. this whole weird mix of like it's and it's fucking awesome i remember when i got married like to, to my wife becca who is amazing and a great drummer um but like it was it was like that it was like she went to a prep school so it was interesting they're always like like nice like doctors and lawyers and then my punk friends and then you know and then my crazy grandmaster and some of my old masters and martial arts folks and then some special ed kids teacher friends like but we, we basically had a big, we, big party and then a big show and it was just this like total again mess or amalgam of yeah. people just kind of like huh you know, it, it was a weird fun. group of people. <laughs> it was really good. It was really, really bohemian. Let's just say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Eclectic. <laughs> Eclectic. There you yeah. go. Well, Rob, this was awesome. I, I love talking to you about this stuff. And, uh, I, anytime, anytime you, you are promoting anything in the future, say the word, we would be glad to have you back on and, and we'll, we'll dig even further in next time. Yeah, man. We'll keep in touch. This has been really nice. And again, I love all my Toledo Midwest 
brothers yeah. and sisters. Uh, maybe I keep hearing there's gonna be some like strange, like transcend majority of one show or something up there. Mm-hmm. I might travel for that, you know, just because it's it, those guys. Well, good. If if that happens, man, we're definitely gonna we'll, we'll go together. <laughs> what's the good What's the good vegan spot in Toledo? So, so there's a couple, there's, there's a couple places like Adam street cafe that always changing their menu. Um, and there's a couple of those places that are popped up now that are kind of like, like balance, those types of chain type places are starting okay, to pop yeah. up more, but a lot of the local places are starting to do their own vegan stuff. They, oh, they that's saw cool. the need. So you can go to these cool places that are like, you know, like a, a craft brewery type place that serves food but they have vegan burgers and they do that. So, you know, there, there's, it, it's slow so going. Everything, everything's super fried here. Like it's, oh, it, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there, there's good spots, but what, what, what's really nice is um, one thing that I've noticed. So Louisville is, is still a very segregated city. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very much like um, it was interesting. Like I taught the university very uh, all the faculty, most of the fact, a lot of the faculty look like me, almost all my students did. Yeah, And so what I noticed about Charlotte being more in the South and uh, kind of a large urban center is that, you know, I, there's much more diverse and I really love it. Yeah. But with that also comes lots of diverse flavors and food. And, and for your listeners that we were talking about restaurants, right? Before, yes, we were beforehand. Right before, and, and how important this is to us. Again, yeah. it used to be like, when we, we want to play the show there. We'd be like, what's there to eat? Like that was always like the first question. <laughs> and even now, like I do it, like I've kind of traded shows for doing like, you know, speaking engagements and not yep. like a weird way, but like, a, like a district will want me to come out and talk about intervention or a research yep. talk or something. But I'll be like, Hmm, what is in that town? You know, like, yeah. and, and the fall I'm going to Bloomington. I was like, yes. Cause the Allery was there. And I heard there's this really great Burmese place. I'll go <laughs> sign me up, bring me out, you know? And so, and the wonderful organization too, of course, of course, but, of course. you yeah. know, it's, it's that idea of like, being a vegan for a long and again i don't i'm out in public i don't ever like i'm a vegan whatever but when you've been a vegan for over three decades you were from a time where you thought you couldn't have anything right now you have you have to have everything you're like well of course i have to try this shitty fake you know cookie process thing because i couldn't have it 30 years ago you know and so i get it absolutely you could be like you know vegan briquette you know, charcoal brick. Well, I've got to chew on that because yeah. you know we didn't have that long. Time I gotta ago. know we didn't have that twenty years ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm still a sucker for sweets. My God, like oh, you put yeah. a cake in front of me, it's just like, yep, nope. I I fall for the same thing. If they like somebody, you know, like a vegan, you know, a, 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 there's a place, a local place that does like Lebanese food, and they do their own vegan desserts. It's right by oh. the register in a cooler. And they have like, they always have like this vegan chocolate cake with vegan peanut butter frosting. And I'm like, God damn it. Oh, so good. I'm not going to not buy it. It's right fucking have, here where I'm yeah. paying for my falafel. Do, do, do they do, do they do viva, uh, vegan baklava? Yeah, of so there's, a pla- of uh, there's a place here that does vegan baklava and it's uh, just, it's right by the record store. So I'll do my little oh. drive. It's like. Coffee shop. Yep. They have a cold coffee, a piece of vegan baklava, then walk over the record store. And it's like my Saturday gig. I'm like, yeah, man. Oh, yep. So good. Yeah. It's, and they're, <laughs> they're right there together. It was meant to be, dude. 
<laughs> no, definitely. So, hey, if you're ever in Charlotte, look me up. Absolutely. Uh, yep. You say yep. you like coming here, so I, I expect anyone else, my friends that are coming through Charlotte, I'm still new here, not knowing a lot of people. So, what, what visitors, visitors are always welcome. welcome. <laughs> I like to, again, shout out to my Ohio people. Yeah. Again, I, and I mean that with all sincerity, like probably. You know, my bands wouldn't have gotten to where they were if it wasn't for, you know, Dirk putting out records. That's friendships, cool. you know, with early, you know, with Dwid and Urba and, yeah. you know, I, just kind of being, I mean, again, it, it, there was so much love in that town. Um, that whole, I'm sorry, in that state and the cities, yeah. all in that little three to four hour yep. kind of area there. It's just... Um, I appreciate them and all the all the friendships that I've had over the years, and some people that that have lost that we've lost in some of those scenes. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, okay. all right. Well, yes. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Rob. And guys, we will talk to all of you next week. Bye. <laughs>